You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 123 of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm Mary, and I'm here with my co-host, Jamie. Today, we continue our conversations around products. July is a cool month, Jamie. This excites me because I like to buy things. So (laughs) anytime that we can talk about products, I get really excited. Products are the best. They really are. I feel like what's so interesting, because we have a cool guest today, um, and she's talking about the business that she created, the product business that she created. But the thing that struck me about her business was that she saw a need for something and created it. And I feel like so many people who start product-based business are just doing it solely out of the frustration that they can't buy the thing they want. Yeah, I agree with you. Because otherwise, why would they put the blood, sweat, and tears into doing it? (laughs) Product businesses are hard. They're just very different. Yeah, they're very different. So you have to really, I feel like you have to really feel the need or already have other product businesses behind you before you venture into something new. Yeah, but it's not just like a service-based business where you're just going to slap up a website and be ready to go. Like we talked right. about this in our in our intro episode with the prototypes and, yeah. you know, so you have to have a true love. Uh, which I think is very much embodied in in your true product-based business icon. Yes, that's true. Dun, dun, dun. Sarah Blakely. <laughs> you love her. She's my favorite. <laughs> She's really my favorite. Why do you love her? Sarah, I love you. Um, so many reasons. First, I would say because she, I mean, she just built such an incredible, like, empire from her own idea. And she's so open to sharing about how she did it and why she did it. And she's so creative. She has four kids. Now, granted, she was building Spanx before she had her four kids. But still, she's running Spanx with four kids. Yeah, and I just love so much of what she does and how she supports entrepreneurs. And even what she shares about running a business, I find so unique compared to so many other people out there because she she talks a lot about how it doesn't have to be all like competition and like copying each other and whatever you know she's like we can still each have businesses and 
be doing our thing and like not be cutthroat about it. That's what she talked about a lot, being cutthroat about it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's and great. Didn't you get to see her speak? I when did. You were at How I Built This? I did. I can't <laughs> believe, I can't believe, yeah, I still can't believe it. Best day ever. You were um, so excited. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> and I was only like a few rows from her, really, just a few rows, like three, four rows. No, two rows, maybe. I sat right behind Stacy Madison from Stacy's Pita Chips. <laughs> you really liked her too. So, she was really good. Yeah. Yeah. She was really good. But yeah, I think Sarah Blakely is just amazing. Yeah, she's, I think, the quintessential example of the person who was like, yeah, I need something. And and she did it in a way. Didn't she like cut the tops off of like yeah. uh, she, stockings or something? And yeah. she's like, yeah, I don't need the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Then she, she made it better. Yeah. I, I mean, even how she sold her product into stores is incredible. Like she went and flew to Dallas to meet with the buyer of Neiman Marcus and she could tell the lady was already like checking out, like not paying attention. And she's like, um, can you come to the bathroom with me? <gasps> and she took the lady to the bathroom and she showed her, she was wearing like white or cream pants and she like showed her what it would look like. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that story. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. And then when, because that was like, you know, pre like internet shopping and everything, then she would actually go anytime she was close to a store that was selling Spanx, she would go and like sell them. Like people thought she worked at the store because she was, <laughs> she was selling them to the people. Yeah. That's yeah, really cool. It's incredible. Yeah. But was. I think there's something to be said about the fact that there are multiple, like, I mean, Spanx was certainly first, but there are multiple brands now that create what she creates, but yet Spanx is so, you know it because yes. they've created something very special and they've sort of stayed in their own lane and done their own thing. And they, made in to me they're interesting because they also went into clothing but they yes. didn't go crazy into clothing like it's no. very narrow what she does and I feel like they're very they they're very thoughtful about all the products that they create and they all for me have very similar like you know what quality that you're getting you know yes. and and it it works it shows yeah she talks a lot about that too when when she oh, talks really? about things yeah even the cool. yeah because they've they've asked her over time to like either have a different version. I think when she was going on one of those like large, like infomercial type places, like doing a different version of it. And she didn't want to sacrifice the quality. She's like, no, because when people get it, they need to have this quality and manufacturers have told her you can get it cheaper and this and that. She's like, but it's not going to work the same. So I don't want to do it. That's She's cool. been very good about that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Sometimes you just kind of get irritated and you're like, I'm just going to make this. I'm just going to do it myself. <laughs> yeah. And she's she has a she has a spiritual woo factor to her, too. So it's always That's funny to hear like her talk her. about that. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Actually, I didn't know that in the beginning. I didn't. But I it ends up being cool. I only know anything about her because of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then I started to follow her a little bit and I'm like, oh, she's smart. Oh, yeah. She's smart. She's yeah. She's really funny, too. And super creative. Like just super creative. Those, um, and she has a creative team, I suppose too. Have you seen those arm tights? She okay. makes, they make arm tights. Like, so you can wear a tank top in the winter, like a dressy tank top with like, um, no way. Yeah. 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 They, so I think they just cold? launched this past year. Right. So you're not cold, but you can wear your tops. Like it's like hmm. leggings, but for your arms, I haven't tried them yet. 
but like I didn't even super hear creative. Of them. Oh my gosh. I was like, I have a few tops that I think I could what? definitely try those with. Yeah, you have to look it up. It's really I'm cool. I'm trying to think about what I would wear that with. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything. I'd have to look at how they're made. Yeah. How interesting. They're like, they're like tight on your arm, like under a dress. I Well, when that we I could used, see. When we used to go out or yeah. when I used to have a corporate job well, and go to the office. Pink dress. Sometimes instead of wearing a cardigan, you'd put like yeah. a long sleeve shirt. But then the neck would get all funky. And it would get How all brilliant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I never would have thought to just stick something on my arm. <laughs> see, I wonder I if it like hooks into your dress or something. It goes over your head and it's kind of like. um. No way. Amy and I are on video so I can demonstrate my. <laughs> <laughs> almost oh my like gosh. A, yeah like a two right, check that out. yeah i feel like it's totally something you would try well this is our ode to sarah blakely but perhaps yeah. we should talk about our very cool guest <laughs> who is- also created a product because she saw a need yeah this is what happens when you ask me about sarah blakely <laughs> but i'm so excited that i got to talk to to our guest today of me because she is just She's incredible. And what she and her brother have built together is really fascinating. So, okay, let's get into it. So Avni Modi Sakar is the co-founder of Modi Toys. She and her brother were inspired to start the company after becoming parents to two little girls born exactly a week apart. Since introducing their mantra singing plush baby Ganesh one and a half years ago, they've won the hearts of families around the world. Now, as a mom of two daughters, Avni is even more inspired to keep sparking joy and curiosity in children about their Indian roots. And now, on to the episode. Hi, Avni. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mary. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you about all things products today. It's going to be so much fun. Yes, let's get into it. Yes. Okay, so where did the idea for Modi Toys come from? So it's the one question I always get asked, but it's the one I love answering because um, it really brings me back to a time, a period in my life um, where I was experiencing so much newness. So my brother and I, um, although we are six years apart, we both ended up entering uh, the parenthood journey at the same time. Our daughters were born exactly a week apart, uh, and this is three years ago now. And so because we're both experiencing this massive life change at the same time, you know, we're kind of both grappling with the same types of questions and the questions that honestly would have never come to us had we not become a mom or a dad. Um, And I say that because we also have an older brother um, who is 10 years older than me. And, you know, his kids are are much older than than our kids. Um, They are, I think, practically teenagers now, like 13 and 15 or so. You know, although I had been an aunt all these years, I never asked myself the questions I found myself asking as a mom. So I think there there's just sort of a, a different mind shift that occurs um, when you enter motherhood or fatherhood. For my brother and I, when we became parents, um, all of a sudden, you know, we start asking ourselves these questions that never really occurred to us before. Like, you know, how are we going to make sure that we pass our, our culture down to our kids. And I know, I know that sounds like a really profound and deep question that may not be top of mind to parents. And, and to be honest, like it wasn't you know the first thing that we we're thinking of. It's more like, okay, do we have enough diapers? <laughs> what formula are we going to get them? But it, it's really something that came to us naturally and, and rather quickly. 
when um, we realized how much different our daughter's uh, childhood and upbringing was going to be from the one that my brothers and I had growing up. So neither, none of us, um, my, neither my brother nor I were born here. We were all born in India and we immigrated here with our parents um, like over 25 years ago now. But the fact that, you know, a, a significant part of our childhood was in India um, compared to our, our children who are all raised here, born and raised here. We just knew right off the bat that they were going to have very different experiences. And that's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a fact of life. And so because of that, um, we were really um, keen on and trying to preserve as much of our culture as we could in a way that felt really authentic and, and not natural to us. Like we knew, you know, right off the bat that like I, for example, know that I'm not going to be making the same type of like traditional Indian dishes that my mom cooked every single day. Like I barely even cook every single day. That's, um, you know, I knew that we weren't going to be speaking to our kids in our in our mother tongue. Well, ma- mainly I can't because my bro- my husband and I we actually come from different parts of India, so we have different mother tongues. So our common language really is English. So we have no choice really but to speak English at home with our daughter. And the only time she's exposed to um, our mother tongues is when she's around grandparents or other family members. So it just, you know, given all of these, what seems like, you know, minute little nuances of, of the food that we eat or the language that we speak at home, we knew that their upbringing was going to be a stark um, contrast to the one that we had. So that's really long winded of way of saying, you know, how can we make sure that we preserve our culture um, in a way that that seems a little like, subtle, but fun at the same time. And when we looked around their nursery, like it, it seemed kind of obvious, like, well, like, the one thing that they're serving from the time that they're born is toys and books, right? So when we went online to like, go order some toys for them that were Indian inspired, we actually came back empty handed. And this is only three years ago, mind you, right? So we're not talking about like 10 years ago. And the toys that we did find were either, um, you know, catered towards kids who are a little bit older, like who need to have some level of comprehension to really interact with them, or were just not something that it really I found myself even, you know, engaging with, like, let alone like give it to my, my kids to play with. So that's where sort of the the light bulb went off. Like, well, you know, my my daughter already has all these like stuffed animals. She already has all these board books and stuff. Like, why isn't there anything like this, but geared towards her um, that has an sort of an Indian twist to it? And um, and so that's how the idea for our first ever um, collection, which was the Baby Ganesh collection, came to life. And for those of your listeners that are unfamiliar with um, Hindu theology, um, you know, Hinduism, it's comprised of many, many gods, many deities. um, And Ganesh is just one of many. But Ganesh happens to be the god that um, we pray um, at the start of any auspicious occasion. So whether you're getting married, you're moving into a new house, um, whatever it may be, that's the god we always pray to first. So that's the reason we decided to launch with the baby Ganesh collection first because you know that's what we had to start with Mm -hmm. so what did it look like so you thought okay we don't see anything in the nursery so it makes sense to start something but of course that from that idea to actually having making a product is quite quite a process um 
So what are the, some of the things that went went into getting there to actually having your first launch? Yeah. So uh, neither my brother nor I come from a toy manufacturing background. He has a consulting background. I work in marketing um, and I've always worked for like sort of, you know, large corporations and I've done business to business marketing. So all of this like consumer marketing, e-commerce was a brand new space for us. Um, and so a lot of it was, you know, trial by error. But to kind of give you a sense of the timeline, um, our daughters were born in January of 2017. And that's when we had discussed this idea of like, well, you know, why isn't a toy like this out there? Um, but it wasn't until about four months later that we actually put pen to paper and had a sketch of our very first baby ganache. And luckily for us, um, our cousin can draw a lot better than we can. Like all my drawings are like stick figures. Um, so, you know, we said to her like, hey, can you just like draw us like a plush version of, of ganache? you know, like a the elephant, like an elephant head, but like, you know, kind of use your own imagination and like how the rest of the body should look like we want it to be simple, but make it clear enough that this is, you know, rep- this represents um, Ganesh. She sketched something out for us. And in fact, I think if you go um, on our Instagram page, and if you like scroll all the way towards like our, our, our um, initial post, you'll see, you'll see that initial rendering um, it was literally just like, you know, her with um, some colored pencil on a piece of paper. And we took that sketch, that pencil sketch, and um, we showed it to, uh, I think, a couple of manufacturers who were based here in America uh, because we didn't go to China until a little bit later on because we didn't know any better, right? So um, we went to a couple of manufacturers here and we said, hey, can you give us um, a 3D rendering of this? Just kind of give a sense of what this would look like. And they came back to us and they showed us what it could look like. And we were like, wow. I mean, look, I would say, you know, the first rendering that we saw, first 3D rendering that we saw was not too far. Like I would say by 85% there to what our finished product ended up looking like. And the more and more it started coming to life, like, you know, first it went from a flat pencil sketch to a 3D rendering. And then from there, we asked them to actually, you know, create the actual prototype um, it became more and more real. And, and that's when we started getting more and more excited because we're like, wow, this is actually like possible. Like this could actually come to life. So the prototype didn't, um, land in our hands until December of that year. So December of 2017. So basically almost a year had passed from the time we had this idea, like this aha moment to the time we, you know, had a sketch to the time we, um, talked to a variety of manufacturers um, and the time we actually had a working prototype in our hands. That was an entire year. And then, you know, during that time, we weren't actively pursuing this. Also, keep in mind, we had, but we both had full-time jobs. We had, you know, new, new, uh, newborns, or I guess just kids at home at the time. So this is sort of the thing that was sort of happening on, on in the background. And then once we finally had the product in hand, um, almost a year later, that's when it became really real for me specifically because my brother, um, he's the one that handles the operation side of things. Um, like, so I don't get involved too much with the manufacturers or the lawyers um, and the shipping, logistics, all that stuff. Um, I handle anything outside of that, which is like sales and marketing and distribution. 
that's when I was like, okay, you know what? Like, let's pause the brakes a little bit before we get too far ahead of ourselves. And let's make sure that there's actually a need for this product. Um, and so I was already a member of this Facebook mommy group, you know, for my local community. My first thought was, like, well, let me just, you know, put this out there on the mommy group, because obviously that is my core audience, and see what their thoughts are. And this group is, is pretty it's pretty diverse, um, even though my core audience is really South Asian moms. Um, I put it on, I posted on the group just with a photo of my daughter sitting next to the, the prototype. And I said, Hey moms, you know, kind of toying around with this idea and would love your thoughts. And, you know, people love to give their opinions, <laughs> sometimes ask for it or not, but especially moms in a mommy group. Yes. So, um, I, I knew my audience. Um, and so when I asked them, you know, what do you think of this like, one? Like, would you buy it because like nothing like this specifically exists. like yes plush toys exist but like uh, a one that sings mantras or hymns does not exist and one that's specifically geared towards south asian children does not exist so i was just trying to get a sense of like you know is there even like a need for something like this when people already have like bins full of of um of toys and surprisingly the the response was really positive because i I had such great success with that post on in that mommy group. I thought, well, you know, why not replicate this in other mommy groups? So I, I started joining a bunch of mommy groups all around the world, um, like literally all around the world. Like I, I joined Australia's mommy group, London's mommy group, because really all I was looking for was, was feedback. And I wanted to gather as much feedback as possible because, you know, because ultimately what I what we were going to do with that feedback was make one of two decisions, either move forward in, in getting a small run um, of our products made or basically, you know, scratch our idea and go back to our day jobs. I think I ended up probably getting, I don't know, like probably I, I never counted, but like probably close to a thousand like comments all around the world. And I would say the vast majority, like 80, 20 split was positive um, and was very encouraging. They were like, wow, I can't believe this doesn't exist, but this is a great idea. Like, you should definitely do it. I would definitely buy it. Um, and the 20% there were sort of naysayers. You know, they had their right. Um, I, I understood their reasoning for for not, um, for not, uh, I guess, being encouraging or being some, somewhat discouraging um, because it is a religious product or product with religious undertones, I should say. Um, so you're always kind of going to, you know, um, get mixed reviews, I think. Um, but I realized that that's not my audience and I'm never going to be able to win everyone over. So I focus on the 80% of people that really, um, was excited to, to have this and bring this home to their kids. That's when I also, you know, learned, um, got the idea of like writing a book because initially we were only going to go to market with, um, with the with the toy itself and like a medium size and a small size um the having a core corresponding book that would complement the toy was never really on our radar but it wasn't until a few moms um commented that hey you know what like maybe you should if you also had a book to go with it this would make it less of just another toy and make it more of like a meaningful um toy that could also be made into a gift bundle and I thought, well, that's a really great idea, but you know, I've never written a children's book. So, um, I basically rolled up my sleeves and like, you know, as most entrepreneurs do, like you figure it out. Like, so I wrote a children's book for the very first time and, and it was kind of fun because it was something I've always wanted to do, honestly. Um, and it's 
funny how, you know, sometimes your life's goals manifest themselves when you least expect it. Um, but that's exactly what ended up happening. I, I had to kind of learn a lot of the stories I tried to write myself. Like I, although my, you know, I grew up, my brothers and I grew up like listening to these stories, um, from our, from our theology, um, we forgot, like, at least I forgot them, um, especially since um, I didn't spend as much of my childhood in India as my brothers did. Like I was eight years old when I moved here. So um, I had to kind of go back on the internet and like read up on all these things and refresh memory because I have to now take these stories and and translate them and make them more kid-friendly. I did that. And then on top of that, I gave myself the impossible task of making them a rhyming book as well. But it was it was it was a really cool challenge, and I'm really proud of you know what we came what we went to market with when we finally did launch um, almost a year later in August of 2018. Because at the time we had the medium sized toy, the small sized toy, and a complimentary book to go with it. So it really was um, a bundle um, that people can bring home into their into their nurseries and playrooms. That's incredible. There's there's so many things in there that I want to dig into. Um, the first one being when you, you know, when you put out this request for feedback with the moms groups, which is great, by the way, um, was there a part of you afterwards that still was thinking about, okay, they said they would buy, but will there be a difference when people actually have to put their dollars out there? Yeah. Um, that's that's always the fear, right? So um, I had at that point, after I started noticing a lot of traction with the posts that I was making, um, I actually quickly created just a, a homepage for on my website because I didn't have anything else like really to put on it. But I all I had was uh, a form to collect people's email addresses because I wanted to start building out a wait list so that once we did um, have something to sell, I can reach out to these people and say, Hey guys, like remember when you said that you would love to buy this? Well, here's your chance. From based on what I had read up on and what I had heard from others um, who had deployed a, deployed a similar strategy, um, obviously not every single person that signs up for the waitlist is actually going to convert. So I think I had maybe close to 2,000 people on the waitlist, and I think maybe about uh, like a, a 20% may have converted. I don't recall now the exact number, but. It didn't matter at the end of the day because ultimately the word of mouth is what really helped us um, sell out um, of our of our initial batch. Um, I think we had maybe a, a thousand of the medium ones and maybe four thousand of the small size ones, thinking that that would be a more popular size. But in fact, the medium size toys ended up being the more popular ones, and those are the ones that sold out first. Um, so even though we had, you know, what we thought to be a really conservative quantity of like 5,000 toys in total, and I think maybe like a thousand books or so, um, we ended up selling out of them within, I think the first month. And we thought that this would last us like through Christmas at least, because we launched, you know, so late in August, um, that we thought well, so close to Christmas. This will like, you know, help us get through the holiday season, but we didn't even make it to Thanksgiving. Like, wow. <laughs> so so I, I think um, I, I think it, you know definitely like having a wait list helps, but ultimately it's word of mouth um, that helped us get to that to that milestone. That's fantastic. Okay, so then what did you do when you when you ran out <laughs> and it was like right before the holidays? 
Well, um, we, you know, told people, like, reminded them that, hey, like, make sure you join the wait list because now you know this is, like, you know, a, a hot commodity. Um, and people definitely, you know, joined the wait list. And, and again, like, I, you know, I have to remind myself that, like, I also was very new to this whole world of consumer marketing and the world of social media. Um, I didn't know a thing about influencers. I didn't know a thing about, like, you know, who I should be tapping into. I don't even think I knew how to, like, like um, make updates on stories. Like, if you, like, see some of my, like, back in the day, like, yeah. I didn't know either, so... <laughs> Yeah, like I was figuring things out as we went. So when we, like, I, I, I was just really being honest with them. I think I wasn't even trying to like be salesy, and I told them that, um, you know, well, first of all, thank you for the overwhelming support. Um, and we're working as fast as we can with our manufacturers to, um, to have another, you know, shipment arrive. And initially, we were waiting on, I think, the entire, um, I think, like. I don't even know, like a batch of another thousand or so to arrive. But then I said to my brother, you know what? I don't think we can wait for a thousand. Like, let's just have them ship us the 500 that we have, or that they have done. And then we'll, we'll at least like deal with the other remaining um, quantity as it comes, as it becomes available. So when another 500 toys became available, we, um, we basically opened up the floodgates and we sold out of those all 500 within two hours of launching. And then so again, you know, people were still like, like, damn it, like I missed my chance again. And then uh, when the other 500 came, like, again, we told like, you know, last time we sold out, the first time we sold out in a month, second time we sold out in two hours. So I have no idea what's going to happen. But here it is. And we sold that in one hour. Wow. So that's so cool. And I think if that hadn't happened, we probably wouldn't have had the confidence that we, you know, developed at the time that we are on to really something cool and something that's really been um, um, undermet by by the market. Um, and then that's where we basically kind of got the momentum to to keep going and, and keep thinking about how to expand our, our product line. Because I think initially, my brother and I, we were actually um, on very different wavelengths. My brother was like, well, you know, we can do this for every like Hindu deity out there. And there are, there are many. Um, and I was like, well, no, if people are going to get bored of that, who's going to want a baby Ganesh and a baby Hanuman and a baby this and a baby that? Like, like no one's going to want the entire collection. And I got to tell you, I was really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I learned very quickly on because the, the questions that started coming in very um, early on was like, well, what are you coming out with next? When can I get the baby Hanuman and baby this and baby that? And like, and I had to basically concede to my brother. I said, I guess you were right. Like, I guess we are really on to something and we have to give people what they want. Um, so then in October of 2019, um, just last year, we then launched our second collection, the baby Hanuman collection. Um, so exactly the same exact, you know, concept, a medium sized toy, a small size toy, and a corresponding book to go with the toy that I wrote. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. So I want to ask a little bit about marketing these days. What are some of your favorite or some of your preferred ways what you've seen work for the e-commerce business and, you know, direct to consumers? What are some some strategies that are helpful for product businesses? So I'm still very new to the space and I'm still learning. I mean, as a matter of fact, just this morning I had a call with a couple of other entrepreneurs who are in a different product category, but 
Um, you know, they're all trying a variety of different things. Um, so we love kind of being each other's sounding board and learning from each other and what's working, what's not. So um, the first year, we didn't spend any money on marketing at all. It was really just all word of mouth, um, all social media, all organic. And it wasn't until I would say about sometime late last summer, maybe last fall, that that I started dabbling into um, a little bit of Google advertising, a little bit of Facebook and Instagram advertising. Um, but it was kind of just me throwing money at a wall, like without really having a true understanding of what I was even like getting out of it. And it wasn't until I would say just maybe a couple of months ago that now, you know, that I'm home on maternity leave, I was like, okay, let me like look at this more closely and like see exactly what, what it is that we're spending our money on, how we can optimize it. The one thing that's that still remains to be really strong for us is, is social media. I can't tell you how many people like, you know, message us saying like, oh, I, I saw so-and-so post on, on Instagram or I saw you guys on Instagram or even like sometimes people I reach out to like influencers or someone that I feel like is like way out of my league and they'll be like, oh yeah, I've seen you guys on Instagram. And I'm always so surprised because I feel like I'm like this, like, you know, like little engine that could. Yeah. <laughs> yet, yet people have seen us through like, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend's like, you know, post or story. I, I would say social media definitely remains to be um, our, our number one driver. And and I think part of that is because, and, and this may not apply to all the products out there, but, you know, social media is a, is a visual first platform, right? So you need to have a product that, that's going to do well on a visual first platform. The fact that we have a product that, that as soon as you see, you kind of get it. Like you don't have to, I don't have to explain to you it's a toy. I don't have to explain to you it's a plush toy. Yes, I may have to explain to you that it sings, um, unless if it's a video. But you see it and your first reaction typically is like, oh, my God, this is so cute. Like, or, oh, my God, like I need this for my child or for my nephew or whoever. And and that in itself, I think, kind of helps us um, with word of mouth marketing. And and beyond that, I mean, I'm learning so much about affiliate marketing, about influencer marketing. I mean, there are agencies out there. There are there are platforms out there that are already built to help you manage all of these different forms of marketing that I'm just like now starting to, to dabble into. But social media has been has been the biggest driver, I would say. Um, working with like-minded bloggers um, has, has also been really instrumental for our growth, especially initially on when we were just, you know, trying to grow organically as possible. And, you know, it, it helped that, you know, when mom saw this, they wanted it for themselves. So like I was able to gift it to them and and not have to worry about paying some exorbitant fees that sometimes bloggers charge. Um, but I've been very fortunate that bloggers within the South Asian space, you know, they understand that, you know, companies like mine are, are small family businesses. We can't afford to spend the kind of money that someone like, you know, like, I don't know, Target or Coca-Cola or like up a baby might give them. So I think that also helps them manage their expectations that, hey, like, you know, I, I'm not going to charge them, but, you know, if they're willing to give me a free gift, like, sure, like, that's sufficient to want to promote their product. So that's a, that was definitely, I think, key and it still remains to be key to this day. But now I'm definitely starting to look into some other areas such as um, optimizing our ads on on Google, on, on social media. Um, and if I had, you know, more help 
more resources. Um, I would definitely also look into other social media platforms like Pinterest, because we know that moms are definitely still on there as well. Like I, I'm no longer on it because it's just one more thing I, I can't keep up with. But there's just so much that you can keep digging into anytime you start looking into any one area of marketing. There's there's just so much you can do. So I'm kind of basically trying to do the bare minimum right now because I'm a team of one for marketing. You know, like blogging is, I think, really um, crucial for your website, too, because people need to be able to find your website. And in order to find your website, Google needs to be able to crawl through your website. In order to crawl through your website, you need to give them enough meaty content to crawl through. I, you know, my advice definitely would be to, um, you know, have have an active blog um, and try to commit to whatever frequency that's suitable for you, whether it's weekly, monthly, whatever. This is going to be really helpful for people finding your site. Um, like I had a blog post on my site that I think to this day continues to be my biggest driver um, in, tr- in relation to other blog posts on my site. And it was a blog for um, popular Indian baby names. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I don't remember like what the what the callus behind me even coming with that blog post was, but it's great now because I've been able to um, update on an ongoing basis. Because one of the things that uh, we started offering just a few months ago is now we um, have the ability to personalize our toys with a child's name. Oh, great. Yeah. So now as I see all these like, you know, names cropping up on our toys, I'm like, oh, I had never heard of this or this is a cool name. Like, so now I just basically go and update my blog with um, a list of, you know, more Indian boy and girls names for people to consider. And, and, you know, like I, I, like when I had my daughter before, you know, three months ago, I was doing the same thing. I was online, like searching for names. So it's a very um, natural human behavior. So I think you had to start thinking about thinking like your target customers, like what what kind of things might they be searching for, not just at this period in their life, life, lives, but any period in their lives. Like, you know, maybe they're thinking about like what to pack in their hospital bag or what to um, where to celebrate this in holiday. So there are so many different things that you can touch on. And I don't think you have to necessarily limit yourself or pigeonhole yourself as a toy brand and only focus on things related to play or toy specifically. That's a great point. Yeah. To really broaden and, and put more out there so people can find you other ways instead of being so specific. I love that. What is something that you used to fear in your business, but don't anymore? Um, <laughs> I don't, I, I, it's hard to answer because I, I feel like there's still so many things I'm fearful of. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think they say that three year is like the magic mark, right? Like where most um, new businesses either they they fail or they succeed. And we're actually um, approaching our two year mark next month. While I don't fear that that we're not going to succeed, I think the fear of like, are we going to um, remain nimble enough? And are we going to be quick enough um, to keep up with uh, customer demand. I, I think that's that's something that always weighs heavily both on my and my brother's minds because you know now that people see that this is really becoming popular, there are a lot of me too's that are, that are naturally going to begin to emerge, right? And the one thing that I, I take great pride in is the fact that we were the first to market, but more so than that, we have a really authentic story to share on how we came to be in business. 
um, we didn't see profit or dollar signs. You know, we really just saw a need, and that's what drove us. Like, you know, we saw our daughters. Um, whereas now, when people are starting to emerge, I think they just see like an opportunity, and and I think that's the difference between us and and whoever else may be inspired by us. Um, and and I, you know, I, I think that that may be lost on some people, um, that difference, that distinction may be lost on people who are not familiar with us. Um, but those who have been longtime supporters of Modi Toys, they will always, I think, continue to keep that in mind that, you know, we started from a, a place of love um, and a place of need and a place of positivity. So that's why we, we're continuing to do what we do. And the fact that, like, you know, we have, like, these two little guinea pigs at home and now three with the addition of my of my second daughter there are the biggest inspirations like I actually like jokingly call them our chief inspiration officers because it's very easy to see you know what kind of kinds of things are they drawn to what kinds of toys do they enjoy what kinds of things they find to be challenging or interesting and and it's really a matter of taking that and putting our own Indian spin on it um, in, a, in a really unique way, because yes, like anyone come up can come out with like plush toys or puzzles and books and stuff, but do it in a way that no one feels like, you know, they're, they're being taken advantage of in terms of like stealing their ideas or anything, because it's very easy to do like now in the day of, in the world of, um, of internet, in the world we live in. Sarah Blakely talks about that a lot. I like that you brought that up, um, because Spanx has had you know, many a copycat. And um, it's the same kind of thing. But when you have your story and your why that that brings so much to the table, you know, and it it's what keeps you going. I find that's what keeps me going. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's really interesting is that when you're a small company, when you're a small brand, it's the one thing that people are always going to be drawn to. It's your story. It's your why. It's the it's the fact that whenever I post on on an Instagram or on story or whatever, it's me talking first person. Like they know that it's the founder talking to them behind this facade of, of a, of a brand. And I think people love that, the familiarity it's the, it's the closeness, right? It's like, Oh, if I have an issue, like I can go to the founder of the company and tell them my thoughts. Or if I have an idea or any feedback, I can go directly. You can't do that with like big brands, right? You're going to end up talking to like some junior level, like person managing their social media or someone who has like to cross through all this like red tape and bureaucracy, like to be heard. So it's, it's this interesting dynamic where small brands always um, aspire to become big brands someday, but big brands always want to try to kind of, you know, uh, appear to be like one of the small guys. Like, Hey, you can, you can talk to us. Yes. Right. I love that perspective. Yeah, it's really, really interesting to try to find, I guess, a balance of the two or how you just navigate it over the long term. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm always going to be able to remain as authentic as, as I am today. Um, but I've seen, you know, brands with even 100,000, 200,000 followers do it. So I think it is doable. Um, you may not be able to get to all your DMs, right. <laughs> but it's <laughs> I think it's the one thing that it's the key to your success, your ongoing success. I love that so much. Thank you so much for all of this insight. Can you please tell our audience where they can find more about you and Modi Toys and anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they can find us at ModiToys.com. That's M-O-D-I-T-O-Y-S. 
And I, I guess I didn't even mention, but um, Modi is our surname and our last name. Um, well, now I have a new married last name, but um, that is where the name comes from. And we're also on social media, um, on Instagram, um, at Modi Toys, and on Facebook as well. We do have some more exciting product announcements um, coming out, probably I would say next month. So definitely follow us on Instagram if you don't already, because um, the lead up to the, when we start teasing out the products, I think that's the most exciting time to, to be following us because it's, I have some fun things planned. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We'll, we'll link everything in the show notes as well so that they have links and can go directly to you. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Avni, and for sharing all of your insights with us. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. That was a great episode. Yeah, isn't she I, great? I liked hearing her journey. It's so fascinating. And I I loved that she also like put in so many tips, like even the pre-selling with the wait list, like things that she did. I think mm-hmm. it's always so helpful to hear from other product businesses what they do because yeah. like we said before, it's it's different than approaching a service business. Well, barriers to entry are high with product-based businesses versus a service-based business like we talked about. So there's so much you have to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is certainly helpful. Exactly. So we, I don't know, what do we want to hear about in, in, in the group? We always like to hear fearless founders. We do love that. But I also think I'd love to hear like, what's your favorite product made by a small business? Not a Sarah Blakely. We need a lot of love. But what are your either local or handmade or whatever the case may be? What are your favorite businesses? So we can show them some love right now, especially during our pandemic when shopping is kind of on its head. Yeah. If you are not a member of our Facebook group, you can find us at Fearless Business Podcast in on Facebook. You can also find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.